your Locked On Penguins, your daily podcast on the Pittsburgh Penguins, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey everyone, welcome to this Tuesday afternoon slash evening episode of the Locked On Penguins podcast. I am your host, Hunter Hodes. Remember to follow me on Twitter at Hunter Hodes. Follow the show's Twitter, LO underscore Penguins. And thank you all so much for making the Locked On Penguins podcast your first listen of the day. Okay, couple of things. One of them, tomorrow night, Josh Yoey will be on the Locked On Penguins podcast uh, to touch on you know how he sees the team moving forward. What his thoughts are so far, you know, COVID stuff, injuries, all that good jazz. Just, you know, it's a little state of the state of like the team through like almost uh, 10 games into the season. So he will be on uh, the show tomorrow night. That'll be posted either that night or Thursday morning. I have not decided yet. It'll be one of the two. Um, secondly, um, we're going to start off the show a little bit differently. Um, obviously, there have been some developments with this lawsuit against the Pittsburgh Penguins, uh, namely Billy Guerin. And in case anyone does not know, so um, Aaron uh, Scaldis, so she is the wife of former Wilkes-Barre Scranton Penguins assistant coach uh, Jared Scaldi. He was a assistant under Clark Donatelli, who of course was fired or let go about, I want to say, year, year and a half ago. Um, she's expected to file a civil lawsuit in Rhode Island detailing the alleged sexual assault by Clark Donatelli um, while he was there. And the defendants are Billy Guerin, Mario Lemieux, and Ron Burkle. Um, so I've been formulating my thoughts on this all day. Um, you all know me. I am very objective when it comes to this team. I will call them out when needed. And I'm going to do that here as well as offer up some other thoughts as well. Um, it's not surprising that Mario and Ron are involved just because they are the owners of the team. I mean, I think if this was for any team in any major sport, the owners would be the defendants because, you know, they own the freaking team. But um, it's definitely not good for Billy Garrett. You know, it's not good for anyone involved here. And, you know, this is not the first time that Mario Lemieux has been linked to a sexual assault cover-up. I actually had not known about this. Until about, I think, a couple of weeks ago, Dan Quinn um, from 1992. This was a really bad situation where um, a 19-year-old woman's allegation said that she was raped by Minnesota North Stars player Dan Quinn and that Mario Lemieux was in the room at the time and did nothing to stop it. That is pretty bad. Um, there's no way of sugarcoating it. That's unacceptable. And the fact that it was, it sounds like swept under the rug, I'm not surprised by that just because hockey culture sucks. So... Um, that's really shitty for Mario there, and I wanted to bring light to that situation as I get into this one here. There was supposed to be a Zoom call today going over the allegations and everything, but that's postponed because a second woman has now come forward and said that Clark Donatelli sexually assaulted her as well. It is unknown if this person um, was with someone in the Penguins organization. It could be someone else. I, I have no idea. But the fact now that there's two, um, it makes it, you know, e even worse now. You know, how many are there, you know, is the question. And it sounds like, you know, after reading this lawsuit, you know, going over a few things, just gathering my thoughts, it sounds like that they're alleging that the Penguins told Scalde to keep quiet and they retaliated against him. I think which would definitely fall 
on Burkle and Mario, but at the same time, I'm not sure how much involvement they had in the situation because I'm now wondering, did it even get up to the ownership level, right? You know, was this just a Billy Guerin thing? You know, did Jim Rutherford know about it? Did David Morehouse know about it? We have no idea just because no one has really, you know, we haven't had that Zoom call yet to fully go over the details. I mean, the Penguins have been staying firm to their side um, for the last few months, ever since you know this came out from Rick Westhead, shout out to him who actually originally reported this story. He has been an outstanding reporter through both the Chicago Blackhawks situation and this one as well. So I wanted to shout him out on this podcast as he continues to do an outstanding job. Now, that said, the Penguins did release a statement today. Um, most of it, it's just, you know, obviously it's all PR uh, most of it I didn't have too much of a problem with, but there is one really bad part in here that you, you got to take out or just should not have been said. So the statement was, we took this incident very seriously and acted immediately. Te- the team investigated and addressed the alleged incident within hours of being notified in June of 2019, despite the fact that Mr. Scaldi delayed seven months before he reported the incident. Okay, you cannot say that. That is just so wrong on so many levels. It's pretty sickening that the Penguins had that in their statement. Because think about it. I mean, this is a completely normal and understandable behavior for a sexual assault victim. You know, sometimes it takes a long time to report these kind of allegations. I mean, you look what happened with Kyle Beach. It took him how long to finally report this on the Chicago Blackhawks. So I really don't get what the Penguins were going for in that part of the statement. And all honesty, I find it pretty disgusting that they included that. That's just, that's not a good look for me. And it shouldn't be a good look for anyone, honestly, um, you know, that yeah, supports this team, you know, and roots for this team. That's just, that's not okay to include. I really wanted to nail that point home as I talk about it on the podcast. It's just, that's something that can't be said. It's gross. It's nasty. Um, they should have rewarded that so much better in their statement. They And then they, They said after that, immediately upon receiving the report, a full investigation was conducted with 72 hours and Clark Donatelli resigned from the organization. Following the report, Mr. Scaldi continued to coach in Wilkes-Barre's Grand for additional year until he made significant staff reductions due to the COVID-19 pandemic. Now, the second part of this was Mr. Scaldi, was this due to the COVID-19 pandemic or was just due to the fact that you were sweeping this under the rug? That's my main question about that because, you know, they've been having this stance for the last four months. Again, I know I just repeated myself, but th- this is what the Penguins have been saying ever since this came out from with Wessel. You know, we did this due to COVID. You know, we did a full investigation within 72 hours. Clark Donatelli resigned. Um, but then another thing, you know, with Clark Donatelli, um, they said he resigned due to personal matters. Um, you know, I thought he was just not healthy or something like that. You know, maybe something came up with, you know, his family or something. You know, I, I, obviously none of us had any idea that it was due to a sexual assault cover-up and how dark the hit it had gotten. But again, this is what the organization feels like, you know, w- where they're at. Now, are they right? Who knows? Are they wrong? Who knows? We will have to see where this discovery process goes. I'm really Curious to see, you know, just what some of the findings are in this. Um, you know, when I was talking just a couple of buddies, you know, I also agree. I think, you know, definitely the Penguins are guilty of letting 
this guy coached development camp, Clark Ontelli, that is, during the 72 hours they investigated, rather than just suspending and pending the investigation. That was wrong by the Penguins. I don't know why you let him coach development camp while this was going on, or excuse me, while the investigation was going on. Just terminate him there. You don't need him to just, you know, resign after for the sake of it. And then another thing here, I mean, were they just sweeping him out instead of supporting the victim to pursue criminal charges? That's another question I think that has to be answered. Another thing, this is being dealt with in civil court, it sounds like, not criminal court. So I think what they're looking for, you know, this is just me speaking, definitely guilt. I mean, 100%. You know, they're looking for justice and all that. You know, I'm sure a settlement will be involved once this eventually hits the fan. But I really think, you know, it's it's mainly, you know, they're looking for guilt. They're looking to obviously get all these people out of hockey for good. And, and don't get me wrong. Um, if this gets way, way worse for the organization than it is now, and believe me, you know, it, it obviously can get really worse. We all saw what just happened with the Chicago Blackhawks. Um, th there is no doubt that you will see changes within the Penguins organization, and rightfully so, you know. But at the end of the day, don't get me wrong, you know, I'm not a homer. I just wanted to deliver the facts thus far, and I also have an open mind to hear what comes out during this discovery process. You can keep it right here on Locked On Penguins as I will give you all the latest updates when it comes to this situation. And of course, don't forget, follow Rick Westhead and Katie Strang on Twitter. They've been doing an outstanding job reporting on both the Chicago Blackhawks and this situation with the Pittsburgh Penguins. I really wanted to drive that home as I end this first segment of the Locked On Penguins podcast. Coming up later in the show, we will have a full Philadelphia Flyers preview. Yes, I understand that the game is two days away still. There were really no practice updates today. I don't really think the team was on the ice. I'm, I'm sure they'll be on the ice tomorrow. But with Josh Yoey coming on to the podcast on Wednesday evening, uh, again, I still, I'm still not sure what my, the schedule is going to be. I might post that episode Thursday. might post it Wednesday evening and then, you know, just have my normal game recap on Thursday. I figured I would do a full Flyers preview for this episode before figuring out, figuring out excuse me, what I'm going to do uh, for the Wednesday and Thursday and then the Friday episodes as well. I know I said I had a plan on Monday's episode, but, you know, I was able to reach out to Josh and finally uh, nail this thing down. So, again, he will be on Wednesday evening's episode to touch on basically the state of the team and a whole lot more. So look for that then. Though, before we do get to the next segment where we touch on the Flyers preview, um, does it sound familiar? You've got one device that lets you catch the game live, another that lets you stream your favorite shows, you're watching sports highlights on your phone, and you've got your neighbor's best friends login for the good stuff. Well, I want to tell you about a simple way to get all the entertainment you love without the hassle and a great way to finally get your TV together. It's called Direct TV Streaming. It brings your live TV and on-demand favorites together like number four so you can watch your favorite shows, sports, and movies all in one place. That means no more juggling remotes and no need to buy another device ever again. And the best part, there's no annual contract. So get rid of the clutter and the confusion and get your TV together with Direct TV Streaming. You can learn more at directtv.com. That is directtv.com. Compatible device require. Content varies by package. All right, welcome back to this episode of the Locked On Penguins podcast. I'm your host, Hunter Hodes. Remember to follow me on Twitter at Hunter Hodes. Follow the show's Twitter at LO underscore Penguins. So we will get our first matchup with the Philadelphia Flyers on Thursday. The latest news with them, um, as of this afternoon, Ryan Ellis had not been ruled out for the game against Arizona. I'm not sure if he is going to be playing tonight. He's been banged up for, I think, the last few days to a week. Um, we'll see if he is able to play against the Penguins on Thursday. 
Um, I think he's been skating. He's been practicing, but I guess he's just not ready just yet. The lines, though, Claude Giroux with Sean Couturier and Travis Konechny. It is weird when you look at this Flyers team. You know, there's just no Jacob Voracek just because he's been there for the last decade. You know, modern-day caveman, of course, was shipped to the Columbus Blue Jackets for Cam Atkinson. And what a year Atkinson is having. He has seven points in the team's first seven games. Six of them are assists, but, you know, you can really see his playmaking ability has taken off since coming to Philly. I was really not high on that trade for both teams. I honestly thought that it was just, you know, both teams making a trade for the sake of making a trade. But it looks like Atkinson has been really rejuvenated since coming to Philly. You know, just his game in both zones. You know, just you know, from what I've watched a little, I, I remember I think they were on national TV about, I want to say, last week or something. I um, mean, he, he looks like a bit of a different player than what you saw in Columbus last year. Obviously, he's always been one of the more underrated goal scorers in hockey. I mean, he, I think he was, what, 30, 35 goal scorer with Blue Jackets at least a few times. Almost cracked 40, I think, one season. So, you know, you know what he can bring on a nightly basis for the Flyers. He's had a really good start. Um, Atkinson, he is on the second line with Joel Farabee. Um, Derek Brassard is the second line center. I never thought I would type that. I'm actually going to look up to see how he's doing this year because I, I honestly totally forgot that he signed with the Flyers this offseason. So far, yeah, six points in his first seven games. I really don't understand how Derek Brassard can... Just go back to playing like his usual self after what happened with the Penguins because he was absolutely brutal um, during that 2017-18 year when he came over. I mean, eight points in those 14 games, but after that, 15 points in 40 games during 2018-19. Um, just basically fell off a cliff and then, you know, goes to Colorado, plays okay there, goes to the Islanders, puts up 32 points in 66 games. Last year with Arizona, 20 points in 53 games, and then already this year is about at a point-per-game pace, so... You know, I'll, I'll never understand just what the hell happened with Broussard in Pittsburgh. But, you know, it's interesting to see how he's playing well with Philly. Joel Farabee, I think you're going to see him get consideration for Team USA. He is that good. Though, in my opinion, I think there are probably 12 to 13 to 14 forwards who are better than him. I understand why he's going to get a look, though, just because um, of how underrated he's been. Through his first three seasons of his NHL career, you know, 2019-20 first came in, 21 points, 52 games. Last year, that was his big breakout, 20 goals, 38 points in 55 games. And then this year already, three goals in the first seven games and six points total. So he is definitely going to get a long look for Team USA. So I'll be curious to see what happens there. Obviously, Oscar Lindblom is in the lineup. That's just awesome to see him back healthy. Um, it, he brings a really big element to the Flyers. He's great defensively, is a good playmaker, and can also score. James Van Riesdijk overpaid a lot, I would say, but you know, still an effective goal scorer. Um, their fourth line is really nothing to drive home. Nate Thompson is somehow getting every night minutes. Uh, Abby Kubel is still on there. Um, defensively, though, without Ryan Ellis, which I'm sure will probably be in the lineup. Uh, Justin Braun still you know, chugging away a little bit. Ivan Provorov. I've always been a lot higher on him than some others. You know, he usually drive offense, drives offense excuse me, to a pretty high degree defensively. Doesn't give much back the other way. He's definitely, I think, going to be on Team Russia for the Olympics in February. I've just always had a soft spot for this player. I think he's going to blossom into a almost an elite defenseman in this league. Travis Sanheim is still there. Don't really know why Erasmus Ristolainen was acquired by Chuck Fletcher. I feel like that was just a, a peak Jim Rutherford move where he's just throwing crap against the wall and hoping it sticks. 
Keith Yandel is there. I almost forgot that he is uh, signed with the team. And then um, there's this guy named Sealer also on the bottom here. I think he's a rookie for Philadelphia. Obviously, Carter Hart. Martin Jones was somehow signed. I have no idea how, considering his numbers the last few years. I think he was uh, almost dead last in goal saved above expected last season. And save percentage, it was well below 900. Carter Hart um, has had an up-and-down start to um, the regular season. If I go down here to goal saved above expected leaders, let me see where he is at. So, you know, 2.4. He's actually right below Tristan Jari. So, not a bad start. Save percentage on unblocked shots, 953. Expected save percentage on unblocked shots, 945. So he's outperforming that a bit. Um, he's going to need to be really good for Philadelphia if they want to make a playoff push. He basically sank their playoff hopes last season. I think this was in February and March and a little bit of April where um, he and Brian Elliott, uh, it was mainly Hart actually, they combined to, I think, allow... 12 or 13 goals above expected. It might have been a bit more, but it was around that number, which ultimately sank the Flyers' playoff hopes. And Hart was, you know, the culprit of that. I think he he was around eight or nine to even ten um, goals allowed above expected, while Elliott was around, I think, four to five. So just a god awful year from Hart last season. And again, he needs to be the guy for Philadelphia because if he turns into a bust. Um, I, I don't know what the hell the Flyers are going to do in that, but they are off to a decent start this season, 4-2-1. and two and one. They just wrapped up their Western Canada road trip where I believe they won most of their games. I believe they lost to the Flames. Yeah, they beat the Oilers 5-3, beat the Canucks 2-1, and then got shut out by the Flames and Jacob Markstrom. So, yes, Flyers fans, you had to suffer just like Penguins fans had to suffer when Jacob Markstrom played like God. I'm glad he did the same against Philadelphia. Makes me feel a little bit better. But, you know, rivalry games are always fun. This one's going to be a dandy. I know the Penguins had a little bit of struggles against Philadelphia last year. I believe the Flyers won five of the eight regular season meetings, which is Unheard of for as long as Mike Sullivan has been the coach. Usually the Penguins have won the season series um, most years is that he's been the coach. So to see that was definitely a bit odd. But, you know, we'll see if the Penguins can reverse that this season and win the season series. This time, um, Sidney Crosby obviously will be playing. The curious to see if Chris Tang is back. I would assume he will be practicing on Wednesday. And I would expect P.O. Joseph to also make his 2021-2022 debut as well. Starting in goal, I would have to think it'll be Tristan Jari, considering the year that he has had. He's had two uh, saved, excuse me, 2.5 uh, goals saved above expected. And also, what's going to happen with Kasperi Kapanen? Is he going to be on the fourth line? It looks like it based on practice lines for Monday, but we'll know for certain tomorrow when, well, you know, we'll have more updates. Maybe Brian Russ will return to practice. Evgeny Malkin, probably not. He's continuing to skate. It sounds like he has certain on days for the ice and then certain off days where you know he's working out in the training room and all that you know doing off ice workouts so would not expect Evgeny Malkin to start skating with the team probably until you know a couple weeks from now as a start maybe three weeks and then maybe early December to mid-December is when he will come back into the lineup but we'll just have to see but I'm always excited for Penguins Flyers I know it's not the rivalry that you know we're used to seeing just because there's not a lot of bad blood anymore but it is still the Penguins' biggest rival, or I should say, arguably, the Penguins' biggest rival. You know, people can also argue for the Washington Capitals, you know, above the Philadelphia Flyers. But, you know, the games are never boring between these two teams. There's never any love loss. And yes, I know Vo players like Voracek are not there, Wayne Simmons, um, but, you know, there's still Claude Giroux. Travis Konechny is always someone who Penguins fans have gone after. 
and countless others. So this should be a fun matchup in PVG Paints Arena. Now, before we do get to our next segment, BetOnline is back and better than ever. They have a new web interface for the start of basketball season, and that means more props, odds, and lines than ever before. BetOnline remains your number one spot for all the basketball and football action this season. You can head to the new updated desktop or mobile website to sign up today and receive your 50% off welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use the promo code Locked On to receive your bonus from basketball, football, baseball, postseason, NHL, boxing, and UFC right to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports. That is BetOnline, where the game starts. All right, welcome back to this episode of the Locked On Penguins podcast. I'm your host, Hunter Hodes. Remember to follow me on Twitter, at Hunter Hodes. Follow the show's Twitter, at LO underscore Penguins. For this last segment, I'm going to go into just how good Marcus Patterson is has been this season. You know, I, I saw Danny's tweet, you know, where Pedersen, I believe, is second among defensemen in goals above replacement. If I can if I can find this tweet here real quick. So yeah, this is just goals above replacements leaders. Um I, I believe actually this is for all positions, excuse me. So it's um vowing to Chushkin up top, then it's Marcus Pedersen then it's Roman Yossi, Thomas Shabbat is right below him, Rasmus Anderson, Aaron Eckblad, Elias Lindholm, Dylan Larkin, Connor McDavid, Tom Wilson, Barkov, Johnny Goudreau, the list goes on and on. But the fact that he's above so many great players um, <clears throat> goes to show that, I know, how good of a season that he's had. You know, you don't even have to look at the numbers to see um, how great he has been in all three zones this season, you know, he's always, you know, cleaning up messes in the defensive zone, strong in front of his net, you know, contributing offensively. Hell, I wouldn't even mind if he was running the second power play um, at this point with how responsible that he has been for this team. Um, he's on the, when he's on the ice, the Penguins have 56% of the shot attempts. Um, he, he's also has 64, 64.7% of the actual goals when he's on the ice for the Penguins. Um, expected goals. Um, when he's on the ice for the Penguins, 62.7%. Um, so it's just, this is night and day, man. You know, scoring chances, four percentage, 60.3%. High danger chances, four percentage, 70.5%. And he also has 75% of the high danger goal score while he's on the ice for the Penguins. He is just carrying play and then some for this team. Uh, you know, probably part of it does have to do with playing with a reliable partner with John Marino, but you know, it, it's not just you know John. You know, it's Marcus being a really good player this season, and you know I will continue to die on the hill of defending Marcus Pedersen until he starts to put up you know not so good numbers. You know, because if you go back to last season, you know he only finished with fifty one point three percent of the shot attempts. You know, when he was on the ice for Pittsburgh the season before that, it was around fifty two percent. I know it's only been eight games, but this is a career high. Um, so far for his career with all of his underlying numbers, you know, 64% goals, four percentage. He's never been that high. Um, expected goals percentage 62. He's never been that high throughout his career. Scoring chances percentage. It's never been 60%. He's never had 70% of the high danger chances, four percentage. And yes, I understand that's probably going to regress a little bit, but you know, this is still 130 minutes of time on ice. I mean, last season he only had, you know, what, 713 and was at 51.3%. You know, we're already... You know, I, I'm not the best math person here, but we're what, you know, about 587, you know, less minutes. You know, let's see where he is at that 700 minute mark 
this season. You know, I'll be, I would probably, if I were a betting man, excuse me, it would probably be a lot better than his 51.3% course D percentage with shot attempts uh, that he finished with last season. So I just wanted to pinpoint how great of a start it's been for Marcus, and it really sucks that he is in COVID protocol and experiencing symptoms because he was just a rock for this defensive force. And you could honestly make the argument that he was the team's best defenseman to start the season. So I wish him a fast and speedy recovery. Um, who knows when he's back? You know, all that matters at this point is his health and well-being as he looks to get over or, you know, get back as soon as he can, excuse me, from COVID-19. So I wanted to spend, you know, the last four to five minutes of this episode touching on some of the numbers with Pedersen and going over what I've been seeing on the ice as well. But that'll do it for this episode of the Locked on Penguins podcast. As always, I appreciate every one of you listening. Tomorrow's episode, um, again, it's undecided if I'm going to record one before Josh Joey comes on. But um, if I don't, um, tomorrow's episode will feature Josh Yoey from The Athletic. And then Thursday, it'll be the game recap. And then Friday, we'll be previewing the game on Saturday. You know, again, it's still up in the air. Maybe um, I'll have another episode tomorrow. And then Thursday's episode could be the Josh Yoey one. And then Friday could be the game recap. I have not decided yet, but wanted to let you all know that I will have a very special guest on the podcast very soon. Again, thank you all so much for listening to this one. And I will be back with another episode tomorrow.